Damo, can you believe Christmas is almost here? Thank God for Well and You, Bretto. If you're looking for inspirational gifts for your friends, family or colleagues, then Well and You have you covered. Why not give away The Jom, the iconic journal of me, which has taken the world by storm to help your loved ones create an incredible 2016. Or the beautiful coffee table book INQ, The Inspirational Quotient. This stunning, full-colour coffee table book with inspiring quotes and images is the perfect Christmas gift. To see the full range of Christmas ideas, simply go to www.wellandyou.com. That's www.wellineux.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Have you heard the name Michelle Bridges? I mean, she's quite a household name here in Australia, and thanks to recent controversy in uh, a Woolworths advertising campaign, you may have heard of her if you don't know what she does. Or what about um, the name Ashley Bynes or Kayla Eat Scenes or Emily Skye? These are sorts of names that are getting thrown around in the health and fitness industries right now, and they're all being credited with um, transforming women's lives through an increased awareness of health and fitness. And uh, they're kind of internet sensations, aren't they? Like, I know Emily Sky has a huge um, Instagram following. She's got, like, a really amazing account on there. Um, my question is, though, like, are they really helping women with their health and fitness and helping them to, say, move better and function better? Or is it just a focus on the physique and the aesthetics of exercise. Um, so and that's a great that's kind of question. question. Yeah, and that's where this discussion comes from today. And, you know, we're going to put it out this straight away and say from the outset, we love all those girls we've just mentioned. And there's a reason we love them because we acknowledge the presence they have in the health and fitness industry. We realize how many... I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of women particularly have transformed their thinking in regards to how they move their bodies. But then I also have a question about, you know, is that benefit always long term or is it a short term benefit? I mean, just by sheer things like names like a bikini body challenge, it's taking away from this concept of, you know, an overall sense of well-being. And like you just said, Andrea, really putting the focus back on the aesthetics of the physicality of being a woman, as opposed to the, the functional, you know, benefits of changing your lifestyle and transforming your day-to-day, you know, tasks and rituals and habits, which is really where the long-term benefits come from. And, you know, and this is, you know, we're not going to bash people here because we just think that, you know, in, in the world today, there's enough bashing of everybody. We want to be sort of promoting, you know, quality um, education when it comes to health and well-being. Yeah, exactly. And these women are fantastic poster girls for... Oh, my God. You know, hot, hot, hot. Yeah, exactly. They've got <laughs> and they've got the marketing down pat too. Yeah, they're amazing. Exactly. And, you know, for the most part, their, um, you know, their health advice, their nutrition uh, guidance is, is fairly sound. You know, they're really encouraging people to eat whole foods, to stay away from protein things to stay away from you know excessive sugars and things like that um and certainly promoting that sense of community for women which i love um however 
12 weeks is not a healthy body make. <laughs> um, and, you know, that, that doesn't lead to long-term changes. But if it's enough of a kickstart for someone who had, maybe has never done this before, then that's fantastic. And it is readily available, um, you know, anywhere they are, which is great. Yeah, because digital is online. You don't need one-to-one coaching. You don't need FaceTime. You can just get out there in your own backyard and start something new, which, you yeah. know, which is awesome. And we, I've very much got a, a focus on um, what I call my hotel room workouts things you can do in two square meters so that it doesn't matter where you are what time of day it is you know whether you've got screaming kids running around there should be a space in which you can create in two square meters that allows you to move your body in what i'd call a full range of motion um, in functional movement patterns to make sure you stay healthy and well and to encourage the movement from your joints to drive the centers in the brain that are responsible for your your health and well-being because neurologically speaking you you drive the body they're the turbines that run the you know the control center at the top and it's really you know so important to be moving properly so that your brain works really well uh, as well exactly and i love how james chestnut says that movement is life and it's for that reason so all of that feedback that your body gives your brain and that extra oxygenation and that whole feedback system really does um, enhance your entire well-being and we know that exercise has such fantastic benefits Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today we're going to be talking about functional movements, functional fitness and exercise, and also the differences for men and women, because as, as Paul Check says, we are absolutely equal, but not the same. And I want to pose that question, should we be exercising the same? And this is a, a conversation that I have with my trainer all the time. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I train at a gym uh, here in Perth called Box 33, and it's amazing. It's, um, you know, a functional movements gym. And what that, that term means is that you're moving your, your whole body or, uh, you know, parts of your body in a way that it would naturally, that will help you just in everyday life. So rather than going to the gym and doing, say, just an isolated bicep curl, you're doing movement patterns for a purpose. Um, and so that's certainly what we do at Box 33. And um, my trainer there, uh, Tim, is this pretty big, burly dude. <laughs> you know, they compete in some pretty amazing, um, you know, international competitions and they're incredible athletes. Um, and he is, you know, kind of that, that epitome of masculinity. So when I say things to him like, oh, you know, should we be doing more feminine things every now and then? He kind of looks at me funny like I've got two heads. Um, but that's, that's you know, the question that I want to pose because there sh- certainly should be um, hormonal or menstrual cycle allowances and changes for women uh, when they're exercising as well. So we're going to cover all of that today. And we're going to start because just coming off the back of, you know, Andrew mentioning how she trains and where she trains and why that particular studio has a focus on functional fitness. Um, it's sort of, it brings us back to a, a term that was coined a few years back and it was called primal movement or primal mm. movement patterns. And it looked at the human body and it looked at the historical context of what we used to do, you know, our ancestors and those before them. And just what activities and movement patterns our joints and uh, myofascial structures are designed to do. And so what they decided was that we are functionally designed to do seven key primal movements. Mm-hmm. And those primal movements, I'll just run through them quickly because then you can start to see in your day-to-day where that happens. So one of the primal movements is to push. 
And anyone who does the shopping realizes they're going to push the trolley around. So to push objects away from the body or to move objects forward of the the body mass. Um, The other one is to pull things. So, you know, this is where a combination of maybe pulling a box towards you with a lifting pattern. So, you know, being able to pull something towards your midline. And, you know, historically that would have been bending over possibly, you know, in the ground pulling things out, pulling out root vegetables and things like that. There's a pull babies. Yeah. Lifting up babies as well. That's, you know, that does have a pulling action to it. Um, and that's coupled with a key, you know, physical component of the squat movement pattern. And that's Mm. where, you know, really hinging using the hinge joints of the knees and the ball and socket joint of the hip and the hinges and the ankles to get that correct postural squat position. Now, historically, that's how we went to the toilet. You know, we didn't have these glorious white Karoma uh, toilet seats. We, We squatted towards the ground. So, you know, just, I mean, I want you to check yourself right now. If you're sitting somewhere where you can, I want you to go step aside from your chair. And if you're driving, please ignore this. Just do this when you get out of the car. <laughs> but um, to step aside and see if you can squat down to the floor and not have your heels lift up off the floor as you bring your bum towards the floor. Now, most of us are so tight and restricted in our posterior elements of hamstrings and Achilles and calf muscles that we can actually not squat properly anymore, even if we wanted to. So getting back to basics and, and ensuring that we can squat. Andrew, what's another movement pattern that um, tends to come up, you know, in terms of primal movements? Uh, oh, they're the lunges, um, bending, and there's that, that term bend to extend. Um, so that's bending without rounding out your back and losing the core spinal posture so bend to extend means keeping your spine alignment um, in a safe natural s-shaped spinal curvature so you're not flexing out your lower spine which of course you know if you've ever had a back injury you know full well that a an extension movement with a flexion in the spine and possibly throwing the element of rotation and you're dealing with facet and joint damage and also discs you know uh, when they say blow a disc that's usually the movement patterns caused due to blow a disc for yeah. you know the terminology you hear most often it's not not what we say in our our world in profession but that's okay because that's what um, what most people talk about and that's certainly what we uh, hear from our weekend warriors <laughs> you know yeah. they they turn you know twist around to pick up um something even if it's you know that pencil from the floor and um Boom, back just on. everything you know under that load it's just the perfect conditions to really create injury there um and the other one is you know though the rotation and often with load so a rotated load as well and these are all you know working through the the core stabilizing muscles the transverse abdominis all of those things that create that good postural stability for us um and these are all the types of things that that i do at the gym at box 3 as well um you know we'll do a warm-up that helps to increase the flexibility and the proprioception or you know that positional sense awareness and firing up our whole nervous system before we actually go into training and then each workout will include a combination of squatting the push movement and pulling. So, you know, I might be doing squats with a kettlebell. I might be doing pull-ups, um, presses, uh, Turkish get-ups for anyone who don't, doesn't know what those are. That I, sounds really I had to, I had to learn. <laughs> I had to learn this, this new language when I, when I joined that gym. Um, and it's, it's such a great thing. So I go onto YouTube and um, have a look at what a Turkish get-up looks like. It's pretty cool. I'm it takes a long time to, to master it as well. Wow. And you know, things like deadlifting and any kettlebell combination that you can imagine as well there's lots of floor movements so lots of crawling patterns so getting that 
you know, that cross um, bilateral sort of uh, movement going on. So that reminds me of the fireman drill at yeah. school. Remember, get down low and go, go, go. And you had to crawl yeah. your way out of the classroom. Okay. So exactly. really that was helping our functional training, those sorts of exercises. Yeah, definitely. But especially people who um, skipped that developmental milestone who didn't actually crawl and some of the complications that that can lead to um, later on, especially movement complications, yeah. uh, that can be really tricky for people. And often we'll do that. So we'll do like ball crawls. So we'll have a big, heavy ball that we're pushing and pulling while we're crawling along these mats as well. So sometimes it can be an absolute killer, Um, but yeah, I love it. And you won't see um, so much uh, equipment or machines there. And whereas at traditional gyms, you'll see lots of equipment um, and most of them are, you know, big machines that are bolted to the floor that have uh, guided or um, resistance sort of built into them. And for the most part, you're sitting erect in these machines um, and doing the workouts, which doesn't really give you the good post proper like postural activation like you would naturally um and we sit for too long anyway on average people are sitting down for 16 hours a day so i'm not going to go to the gym and sit down on my butt as well that's crazy well now that you mentioned that thank you so much now that I'm, I'm, it makes me very grateful that i have a uh, predominantly standing up profession with a lot of movement in it um however you know my poor husband and a lot of the guys that i and guys and ladies that i train with we uh, all do open water um surf ski paddling so downwind racing that's your passion <laughs> it's a passion for yeah. sure but again we're talking about you know movement that you enjoy yes but also acknowledging that there is essential movement for physical health including joint function joint protection you know correct use of the spine and nervous system and just because you like something doesn't make it right for you and I think that's really what you know and you have to acknowledge the shortcomings of the activities you do mm-hmm. you know and I, I think um are you guys listening are you netballers because I know a lot of my <laughs> clients come in and and you know when they're in their 40s and 50s the first thing they do when they've got a bad knee or bad knees was straight back to oh I played netball and immediately you know they know that throughout their life they've been doing a sport that they have absolutely loved and they still do most of them with pain because they love it. It's the social, it's the physical, it's the team environment, but they know full well that there's some serious consequences in terms of joint damage that can occur because of that repetitive stop, start loading with, you know, a lot of consistent jumping patterns that um, will will damage stop-start joints like the hips, knees and ankles. And uh, so much for netball being a non-contact sport. Oh, it's uh, brutal. <laughs> I've seen elbows and uh, yeah, all sorts of things. It's, and uh, that's it's not just netball. We're not yeah. being stereotypical here. But we're just sort of talking about sports that, um, you know, if you think of your sport right now, if you're doing one, um, you can almost pretty much straight away predict which joints or which parts of your body are taking effect from that. And so what we're talking about today is certainly having a better understanding of, you know, what activities and movements you can be doing with an appreciation of the female body. And I think this is really where it comes down to. We're not talking about gross generalizations about fitness in general. However, those seven primal movement patterns, we only mentioned six. The seventh one was actually um, including gait cycle, and that's your walk to jog to run capacity. So the way in which you change your gait cycle to adapt to a change in speed. And that was your seventh um, primal movement pattern. And that's for everyone, male or female. So we don't mind, you know, whether you're one way or the other in terms of what exercise you like, whether you like particular exercise, but whether you're a man or a woman, you need to have these seven movement patterns in your daily life somehow, some way, 
and often so that you keep your body healthy and fit for the rest of your days. Exactly. There's some really good um, payoffs to having these functional movements. And so some of the benefits, it really does make your everyday activities easier. And it's for the purpose of getting that mobility, the agility, the flexibility, but also the strength um, and stability without being too rhyming here um it will absolutely improve the overall function of your body because of that good positive movement and the the feedback from your joints to your brain and vice versa uh and it reduces your risk of injury and falling which is really important um especially for the aging population um and any of my elderly patients we certainly try and encourage them to make sure that they're doing a lot of these movements to their capacity including um uh, the squat because of how powerful that that squat motion is you know it activates the um the anterior tibialis muscles which is one of the the ones that is so important for proprioception and when we say proprioception we mean your body's positional sense or where your body's mapping you out in space so if you are the kind of person that is walking through a doorway and is always bashing your shoulder on the doorway or hitting your hips on tables or <laughs> stabbing your toe yes it's clumsiness but it is a problem with that proprioception. So where your brain actually thinks you are, it's a little bit distorted. So as you're walking through what you think the center of the doorway actually is, your body shifted slightly off to, to the side. Um, and that is what creates a lot of injuries and things like that. And uh, gives the propensity for, um, especially um, sort of older people as they lose some of that positional sense to be more prone to falls and injuries. Um, and, and with that as well, uh, these movements certainly help to increase uh, good bone density. So we'll lower your risk of osteoporosis, which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, therefore increases your quality of life. It lowers your risk of diabetes and other sort of health conditions, improves your coordination, your balance and your stability. Um, and there's even research that supports, um, you know, good quality functional exercise and lowering your risk of breast cancer for women which is which is fantastic and that's the thing you know exercise and fitness is is something that should be an integral part of your your daily weekly lifestyle mm -hmm. um and you know of course this is where we're at as um as healthcare practitioners that's what we love it's not just because we want you to have an awesome bikini body it's because we encourage exercise and movement because of the key components it has in terms of protecting you from more serious you know health problems but also preventing you know the things that could be in your pathway if your environment lifestyle and genetics are not in your favor you know so at least take control of some of those components you do have control over because there's going to be some components of our, our existence that we don't have full control over you know the genes you're born with yes they're they're part of the the component of your life but it's what you do with your body and you know a lot of study now into the um, impact of epigenetics which is the expression of genes themselves what switches them on what switches them off and why twins could have the same genetic profile one could have a chronic lifestyle illness and one doesn't and it just comes down to your lifestyle so fitness and, and well-being through movement is just critical to your longevity as well exactly so like i say that health has a greater purpose exercise um, and movement should certainly have that greater purpose as well so it's all it should make you feel great 
Yeah. You know, you should feel rather than a slave to the, the alarm clock getting you up to go walking, it should be something that makes you feel like alive, you know, invigorated. It turns, you know, your body systems on or calms them down for some people. You know, it's a really important stress reducer. Absolutely, especially uh, late at night or, well, in, in the early evening, especially if you've had a harder day, going for a, a gentle walk around the block is going to make you, <clears throat> excuse me, a much uh, much more pleasant person to your family as well. <laughs> and not to mention, you know, a gentle walk around the block. If you're doing that with, um, you know, a significant other, you know, your partner, your wife, your husband, it's such a beautiful connection time as well. Even if it just means you're just sort of rambling along, talking or walking or just walking silently, it's a beautiful state of energy to be before you go to bed. And so, look, while we're talking about connecting, you know, connecting with significant other people in your life, um, I think, you know, it's so important to understand, you know, connecting with yourself as a woman. There are certain exercises, certain types of movement and fitness that you are more geared towards than to do the same programs that men will do. Now, my example, for example, I have, um, we get gym trainer who programs for us. He's absolutely amazing. Again, he's into functional fitness. We love the stuff that he programs us for. And for my sport, I really do need to be doing gym work. I have to be doing some power loading. That's just part of the movement pattern I require. Um, interestingly though, I have opted to take the same program as my husband and, you know, in <laughs> my, not surprise me. <laughs> yeah, of course it's a competitive <laughs> girl in me. So yeah, there's, there's that part of it. And, you know, with the mindfulness that, um, I'm going to change the loads accordingly to my, my body type. Mm-hmm. However, you know, as soon as we start to program, there were certain movement patterns I realized were just not working for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a bicep curl was part of the program, um, with the functional movement involvement but it was just breaking me so I had to let that go and change and it really comes down to the fact that you know again there's things like well let's just talk about the pelvis in a woman our pelvic shape is yeah. totally different to a man's it's that that goat versus the sheep did you ever learn that in anatomy that the, if you look down through the pelvic bowl a man's pelvis or a male pelvis will look like a goat whereas a woman will look like a sheep <laughs> did you ever learn wow no i didn't learn okay. that so uh, if you don't have access to a spine in an anatomy class you probably will have no idea what we're talking about right now so um, women, women do not have sheep sheep's pelvises but what the the essence of that is that our pelvic alignment is very different it's much broader it's less narrow our our sacrum and our tower points tend to sit more posterior than what they do for men women tend to have um, more anterior pelvic tilt as well and uh, our cue angle or you know this sort of imaginary line from the front of your pelvis to your knee is different for men and women because of that pelvic alignment as well which means that movements will be slightly different too and it's you know because women a childbearing whereas men are not yeah and look and again why women are more susceptible you know prone to sacroiliac joint dysfunction and sacral problems again because that comes down to sort of the structural side of things which is different to a man and you mentioned the q angle and i mean that's absolutely true because mm. men you know typically have a q angle of 13 degrees yes and women have a q angle of 18 degrees so we're looking at a five degree difference here which changes the loading force through the hips knees and ankles so there's mm. really important relevance there because i know you were chatting earlier andrew and you mentioned something about the acl injuries in women yeah women are more prone because of the increased q angle for women they're just naturally more prone to ACL injuries um, and other knee knee injuries as well. We discussed um, the impact on the medial meniscus and things like that too. So, you know, men and women absolutely are equal, but but different in terms of their physiology. 
Um, and, and also talking about, you know, differences in physiology, um, how about, you know, just things like menstrual cycle impacts on our physiology as well and when we do exercises and when we choose because I find it really interesting. And this is for the ladies out there. Obviously, there's some listeners here who may not be, but let's just go with gender-specific right now. We're talking about women's health, women's yes. pelvis, women's, uh, you know, fertility and reproduction. That's generally our gist of our, our conversations. Um, you know, when I'm leading up to my cycle, I tend to find, and I've noticed this time and time again, and it's not going to be the same for everyone, but I just thought it was really interesting if you've noticed patterns like this, just to try and make sense of why that is. A couple of days before, you know, my cycle's due to start, when I'm doing my gym program, I'm incredibly powerful, like unstoppable, doing loads I haven't done before. It's usually when I break a new like PB or, or you know, my, my top end of my power. I'm like, wow, just adding another 10 kilos or 20 kilos. I'm just, wow. just surprising myself with certain changes and throughout the training process, backing up and feeling unstoppable. And then as soon as it's like day one or two into my cycle, I'm flat. Um, I really just like endurance wise, I don't feel like I've got much endurance to me. I feel like, you know, my coach will have a program set and, you know, our training session's good to go. We're flying. Everyone's powering on. And my brain just goes, drop it back to 60. And well, I mean, by that is 60%, like drop it back to 60 or 70%. Like don't chase the team. Don't, don't follow them. Don't try and copy them. Just drop it back and don't blame your period, but just say you need a recovery session. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and you mentioned as well, you know, how your body changes too, and you have to honor that stuff as well. So rather than forcing yourself through programs, just because the gym timetable's on your fridge door and you're feeling guilty because you're about to start your cycle because you've been binging on chocolate and now you feel like you have to hit the gym. (laughs) Because, hey, we know that when we're about to start a cycle, we start to to get a little bit, you know, antsy for some things that kick in our adrenals and and stuff like that. So uh, we tend to binge a bit more on foods we're not not supposed to eat too often and i think this is really important that women actually acknowledge this because our menstrual cycle and this is a episode all into itself and i can't wait to get into that but our menstrual cycle helps us to connect us to those ebbs and flows of of life and we're supposed to you know have that that yin and yin and yang where we are you know outward we're extroverted we are um you know can be very energetic we can do the explosive exercises all of that sort of thing but at the same time when we're menstruating um, especially for women who have any pre-existing hormonal um issues now when you say day one and two of your cycle what you mean is day one and two of your period that's day one of your cycle is you know the first the first day of bleeding um it's not appropriate to be doing intense physical activity. Um, I do not advocate for exercise during that time at all, especially for women who have endometriosis and a lot of pain associated with that because um, intense exercise can actually create a regurgitation of the blood within the uterus. So instead of the blood expelling naturally as it should, you know, with, with the period, I know we're getting pretty nitty gritty here. It can actually, you know, regurgitate within the uterus. And so for women who start their menstrual cycle with darker colored sort of brown stagnant blood, that can be one of the reasons for that is it's not expelling completely from the previous cycle. Fascinating. Yeah, so I mean, how keep many, that in mind? Yeah, how many um, people don't know that? That's yeah. that's incredible stuff. And uh, we're so lucky at 
the gym, all the guys are really versed um, in knowing the things to look for when women's strength is starting to change and how to accommodate for that. And so on the, you know, the first couple of days of their cycle, if they are booked in for a PT session, they'll do what we call a balance session where it'll be much more gentle, lots of good movement, um, and you know, not heavy lifting because women are naturally weaker when they start their cycle, um, your positional or your proprioception changes, your fine motor skills decrease as well. So you're not going to have that same reaction time. You're not going to have the same power and strength that you do, you know, any other time. Which leaves you very susceptible to injury risks, Absolutely. doesn't it? Because your yeah. proprioception's off, you know, ankle receptors and stuff. You're more likely to roll an ankle, tweak a knee, you yeah. know, um, do a little not see that tear. ball that's coming at you and yeah. be able to react yeah, whacked in the head with something that's getting thrown at you. Okay, that's yeah. that's yeah, cool. Um, and whereas women, you know, really around that sort of ovulation time will most likely be the most powerful around then. Um, so it's really interesting that you have that experience leading up to your period. I wonder if it's a little surge in estrogen that happens right before you get your period that uh, then. Well, whatever it yeah. is, I, I don't, uh, you know, dislike it. I think it's really interesting because it shows me what my, almost my potential is that I'm not there yet. But when that little moment in time opens up, I get to see, wow, there's really that incredible, like I might've been really stagnant for, you know, the four week of the program. And all of a sudden I can see, I don't feel like I'm making gains. And then that just, that little window opens up where you get to see, wow, this is changing. This is great. I mean, I'm talking from a competitive sport point of view here. Yeah. So we're not just talking to the day to day, you know, mums and dads wanting to be fit and healthy. Um, but I just, I'm talking to those girls out there who are like me, who are really competitive, who, who want to reach really high in their sports or their, you know, their chosen fields of um, pursuit. And they want to know when, how, and what they're going to do to get the best results as often as they can. Um, and I think it's so important as well, which is just talk about not just how that cycle affects you physically, but also mentally, emotionally, you know, if you've got big stuff going on, your mental, emotional states change through your cycle. So again, you know, it's great to have a program that's set for you. You might be following, you know, four week plan or a 12 week, you know, Michelle Bridges program, but, um, don't beat yourself up for skipping a session because you don't feel like it's the day to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's really important to listen to your body because that's something that women do really well these days is ignoring those signals and switching that off and pushing through and also trying to match when women try and match guy numbers in the gym in terms of weights, <laughs> they're getting guilty. Yes. They're going to kill yourselves. Men and women um, do not have the same, uh, you know, physiology in terms of our muscle mass, our muscle adaptation and our fat mass. We naturally have a higher body fat percentage because of you know the role in our hormones and our menstrual cycle yeah. and also the fact that we need that to nourish a baby yeah um, so, so we're not saying women can't be kick-ass strong oh, and, uh, you know, and yeah. as we saw i mean gosh melbourne cup girl jockey on the top of the winner i mean that was just so exciting and it just shows you that we girls can mix it with the best of it um you know guys and girls alike but just acknowledging that uh, physically you are different you know that's why women are not frontline you know marines you know but they're not frontline services in the military because physically we're not the same so we yeah. use our assets which you know for a lot of us girls it's our brains girls <laughs> but we also there are some trade-offs for women as well yeah. um, we fatigue less quickly than men cool. which is great so we recover quick 
quicker after sets as well. Um, we can tolerate metabolic stress a lot better. So, which means we have lower arterial blood pressure during exercise, which means that we have better uh, blood and oxygen availability um, and less metabolic byproducts. So, you know, less of that, like, uh, you know, the muscle cramping and aches that men will have because of that. Um, However, we don't respond as well to explosive training like men do. Um, oh, now this is a, this is a touchy subject, isn't it? Yeah. Because um, this brings into question that idea of should we do explosive sprints or should we be doing long endurance? You know, what's better? There's all this fashion at the moment about um, you know the HIT uh, programming, which is the high intensity interval training, yes, or the Tabata training, which yes. is again high intensity interval based training. Um, you know, uh, short explosive bursts and short recovery as well yeah and the the research is kind of split on that at the moment in terms of you know what is best better for women. which is better um, tell do we have an answer for that well men certainly respond better to explosive things like power lifting so mm. they're more um you know that that grunt and brawn is oh, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 gotcha. men that's the primitive like thing going yeah, on yeah exactly and i'm not sure what role testosterone has to play in that but i'm absolutely going to research that um and whereas women's nervous systems are a little bit um less efficient than men to really drive that power lifting um it's good for women to have variation so you know some tabata type exercises some high intensity interval training is is okay but they won't respond as well to that as what men will. So if you're on a program that's you know pretty dry, every to that, session's that yeah, one, and your and your body isn't changing as quickly as say your your partners, um, there's there's a reason for that. So you know, and part of that could be the fact that men actually have a bigger motor cortex than, than men do. So the part of the brain that looks after movement is actually, it's literally bigger in men than it is in women. Um, mm. So it could just be that that movement pattern um, and that power um, and, and those short explosive bursts are easier to facilitate for men than, than what they are for women, which yeah. is interesting. And look, ladies, if you I don't know if you've had a chance to listen into our adrenals uh, episode just yet, but we were talking all about adrenal stress and adrenal fatigue. And we discussed the four phases of adrenal fatigue there, and we discussed the differences in women's choices of exercise depending on how far through that sort of fatigue state they are in. And, you know, phase one, two, you really want to be doing your high intensity. You need to be doing a little interval stuff. You want to be bumping and bumping and jumping and, you know, getting the body moving because it drives the the basically the process in the body, they're going to help your stress state. However, once you've slipped into stage three and four, you really need calming, nurturing, low intensity, possibly endurance. So long walks, you know, gentle activities, yoga sessions, meditation sessions, things that are trying to recuperate and restore your adrenal fatigue um, and rehabilitate the biochemical, you know, uh, disruptions that are going on within your system. Um, I love Tai Chi and Qigong for for those uh, circumstances. And, you know, women may go through this whole variation throughout their cycle. So, you know, for example, if you do feel a bit fatigued in that PMS uh, time and you don't feel like you have that same capacity to go to the gym like you would at other times of the month, then, you know, dialing it back, doing the yoga, doing the breathing and the meditation, the Tai Chi, Chi Qigong is appropriate in those times. And so what about for people who are not doing exercise right now? Because, I mean, we've spoken to sort of, I'm talking to the ladies that exercise because I just assume everyone does because that's just who I am and that's what I want everyone to be doing. Um, you know, and for you, for you ladies that are out there doing a lot of high intensity exercise, I do have a question for you. 
When was the last time you dialed your program back a little? When was the last time you took a recovery session, you went for a long walk? I mean, you might feel as though it's skipping a session, but when was the last time you just let yourself regenerate, recuperate, restore, repair, you know, um, stretch, relax? You know, we, we get so focused and we're so, um, well, me personally, I can talk from my experience as well. You get so time short that every session you do needs to be the quality and the quantity and get it done because you've only got time to do five sessions in the week they need to be the best five sessions you've got going because otherwise you're wasting your time and you don't have other times to do it and really you know I got caught in a loop for quite some time there where every session was high intensity you know reaching heart rate 70 80 percent constantly because I'm trying to push my body I'm trying to break through and then I found that you know I was really starting to flatline my Mm -hmm. results weren't improving and it wasn't until I started to, what I would call, what I, in my head, this is what I called it. When I started skipping sessions, I actually started to get better. And skipping a session I didn't sleep in. I didn't do nothing. I just let my husband go for his paddle, you know, with the group. And I'd go for a coast walk. And for me, that was a skipping a session. And I can't tell you how guilty I felt because I'm looking out there paddling past. And I'm just going, I really should be out there. I should be doing this. But another part of me said whoa, dial it back. You know, you need to recover. Something's not right. You're not getting better. So I honored that little inner voice that said to me, just not today. And I think that's made all the world of difference in terms of my, you know, my conscious understanding of what fitness does for my body. And so learning your body is so, so powerful and so important. And isn't that psychology interesting where it wasn't a recovery day for you? It was <laughs> skipping a session. Skipping a session. And so many women are yeah. guilty of, you know, that more is more. But when it comes to exercise, when it comes to really pushing and breaking your body, more is not more. <laughs> no, and uh, eventually you'll pay the price, you yeah. know, and eventually you start to show the clinical maybe symptoms of adrenal stress, adrenal fatigue, or maybe you're starting to get, um, you know, awareness of hormonal imbalances. You're starting to know cycle irregularities, maybe even gone as far as having to chat to the doctor. They've, you know, identified polycystic ovarian syndrome, exactly. which can be a classic indicator of the over-exercising athletic female. Absolutely. And this was, you know, back in uh, the Olympics, last Olympics, three out of the four K4 Olympic athlete women had polycystic ovarian syndrome. You know, yeah, I thought that was so fascinating. It's yeah. so relevant in terms of our Olympic teams. How many females in our Olympic teams have polycystic ovarian syndrome? And again, it's all about the high stress, A type, high achiever, you know, really active women doing a whole lot in their life with high performance demands on themselves. Yeah, yeah. And for those kind of conditions, exercise can either be the biggest supporter of, um, you know, balancing your hormones or can be your undoing. So polycystic ovarian syndrome is very responsive to stress, whether that's either, you know, emotional perceived stress or physical stress. Um, So, you know, doing that marathon run, doing the triathlon, being, you know, the Iron Woman may not be appropriate if that is what you're dealing with, um, you know, physiologically at the moment. Yeah, mentally, physically, absolutely. So we pose that question. If you've never done any exercise before, go back to those ladies who are sitting here thinking, well, all very good and well. You guys are, you know, these high achieving women. Um, that's so nice, but I'm not, and I'd really just like to know how I can get my body in balance because I've tried a lot of stuff and I'm still dealing with some overweight, you know, it's sitting on my tummy, it's sitting on my hips, you know, I've got those flabber jabber chicken wing things that's going on and that's really bothering me, cellulite in the wrong places. I've done some of these online bikini body challenges. It's not working for me. What should I do? 
That, that's a great question. You've got to start somewhere though, and movement is so important. So even a 20 minute walk a day, if that's all that you can do, is a really great start. And especially if you've got hormonal imbalances that might be creating some of that weight retention, um, that's a really good place to start. Isn't um, it? And, and primal movement patterns. Yeah, you know, absolutely. going back to the basics, and this is where we say, you know, with a program or not, just start to get creative. Let's think about things we could do to push. Yeah. You could stand yourself up against a wall and literally just push your own body weight backwards and forwards. So you're doing like a push up against the wall exactly. just to start to get that push movement happening in your body. Or you, you know, if you feel as though you're more comfortable to do it, you can get down on your hands and knees and you can do a push up or a yeah. half push up staying on your knees, you know, just starting to challenge the, the position. And while you're down there on your hands and knees, you can do some crawling. So making sure you're moving opposite hand, opposite leg, yes. um, crawling forwards and then also crawling backwards as well. Reverse crawling. Oh, I haven't tried that yet. I'll see if I can do it. Um, I would strongly suggest really looking at what your goals are. If you know that exercise is your downfall and this was certainly what it was for me, you know, I have done all sorts of different exercises. I love being active. I love being outdoors, water sports. Um, you know, uh, it's what I love. I love being in the ocean, but I needed uh, someone to tell me where to be and what to do and when to do it because of how, you know, our, our lives are pretty busy. Yeah, we just want to um, think less. We yeah. just want other people, like, we think, think, yeah. think all day long. We have to sort of arrange our lives all the time. Sometimes it's so nice just to hand yourself over to someone else exactly. and say, can you just like that's why we have a coach that's why I have programs I mean exactly. I don't want to have to go there and think up my own program even though I know this stuff and I've been doing it for more than two decades and uh, having that person keep me accountable as well is yes. absolutely worth the investment um so yeah it's it's definitely worth its weight in gold yeah um, so if you're not succeeding on your own go and get someone else and that may be a private trainer it could be enlisting your friend in the in the team dream you mm-hmm. know do it together yeah um could be you know uh, this is also Oh my goodness, on the radio this morning, this is really fascinating. It was talking about um, what they're starting to see as the biggest cause for dissatisfaction and breakups in relationships. And we're going through and they're asking people, you know, who do you think it is? And the biggest loser and the block and all these TV shows, because of course that causes major friction in relationships. And it came down to, um, I mean, this is just a little sidetrack, but it does come down to body image again, and again, fitness and health and vitality. Um, And it was actually The Bachelor. And it's because people are getting such a um, grass is greener view of the ideal stereotype figures, you know, gorgeous men, gorgeous women, everyone's looking all very pretty and glam, you know, great body types, also very romantic and you know it's increasing our dissatisfaction in our own lives and i thought that was really sad you know because i'm like this hell is this is, yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah given the fact that i haven't seen a single episode i'm not exactly the one to comment but on this but i'm listening to everyone else's comments yeah. and that's probably where i'm picking up the day-to-day conversations and going why the heck is this so relevant so important and, and this comes back down to this idea of body image you know, it's really the core foundation. This is why, you know, these clever women, like we mentioned, you know, the Bikini Body Challenges and, and, and Michelle Bridges and stuff, they've appealed to this um, dissatisfaction we have with our own body image. And so we're talking today all about health and fitness, but we just want to close it out on this reminder and this, you know, I guess this space to remember that we're all born beautiful yes. with our lumps yeah. and bumps. And it's really, really unfair to compare yourself to like one of these 20 somethings running these programs 
when their genetics are different, their basic physiology, they may be ectomorph, meaning thin, lean, and that's what they're genetically designed to be. Yeah, exactly. But also don't forget that this is their profession. Yeah, that's what they and do day is, in, day out. This is what I have to remind so many people that they this is their livelihood. So their body is their absolute, and the way their body looks, that's what they're working on eight hours a day. You know, they do not have corporate high-flying jobs where we're going somewhere else and we're, you know, maybe have time for gym or exercise an yeah. hour max a day if we're lucky yeah so guys be gentle with yourself yeah. so, I can promise so you. important <laughs> yeah. if i if i offered you your pay and your salary not to go to work but to go and train during the day so you could look great and feel great and maybe even earn more money because you can then train other people to do the same thing you've just done i dare say you would say cool finally I'll, I'll reach my goals because now I've got time to do it so yeah. you know you nailed it Andrea it's about stop comparing yourself to others yes the grass is always greener yes there's always someone with a more hot stunning amazing body there's always another woman with a six-pack or bigger boobs or, or whatever um, but just go back to basics move for life move yes. for health move your body so you feel good about you you know go through your primal move patterns feel great doing it enlist your friends to do it so you have you know a community health approach to to what you're doing um and just go back to basics you know just remember you're beautiful the way you are do some things to make yourself feel great do some fitness because it's protecting you from more serious health consequences of not moving your body and reduce your stress down you know by by getting out there getting some fresh air sunshine and oxygen perfect and we will certainly post all of this stuff online so if you're confused about what a primal movement actually looks like or even where you get started we'll give you stacks of links uh, for you to you know start somewhere with that um, so, and certainly feel free to communicate with us we'd love to know what you do for movement and your exercise in your day-to-day -day life so that you know our other listeners can be inspired by uh, you as well um, so find us on Facebook on facebook.com forward slash the wellness women or on our website thewellnesswomen.com awesome so Andrew look that's a wrap thank you for sharing your time with us this week we can't wait to talk to you next week have an amazing uh, week be well this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter The Wellness Couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.